Reading 365, the reading of the Bible for today, December the 8th. Thank you so much for coming on. Good blessings on these holy days we have. Remembering and acknowledging our Lord and Savior, our Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and pray. 365 Bible study. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for being our daddy. Thank you for carrying us in your arms and fixing us up, Lord. We surrender to you. We give you all our times, our efforts, Lord. We thank you, Father in heaven, for help, our immunity system, Lord. Thank you for your mercies are new every morning. Your constant help, Lord. We are grateful, Lord. We're grateful and thankful, Lord, for our eyes, our ears, the breath of life, the water we drink, the food we eat, the shelter we have, Lord. And we thank you for giving us life forevermore. In Jesus' name. Reading of Hosea chapter 10 for December the 8th. To chapter 14, verse 9. How prosperous Israel is, a luxuriant vine loaded with fruit. But the richer the people get, the more pagan altars they build. The more bountiful their harvest, the more beautiful their sacred pillars. The hearts of the people are fickle. They are guilty and must be punished. The Lord will break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Then they will say, we have no king because we didn't fear the Lord. But even if we had a king, what could he do for us anyway? They spout empty words and make covenants they don't intend to keep. So injustice springs up among them like poisonous weeds in a farmer's field. The people of Samaria tremble in fear for what might happen to their calf idol at Beth Haven. The people mourn and the priests wail because his glory will be stripped away. This idol will be carted away to Assyria, a gift to the great king there. Ephraim will be ridiculed and Israel will be shamed because his people have trusted in this idol. Samaria and his king will be cut off. They will float away like driftwood on an ocean wave. And the pagan shrines of Aven, the place of Israel's sin, will crumble. Thorns and twistles will grow up around their altars. They will beg the mountains, bury us, and plead with the hills, fall on us. The Lord says, O Israel, ever since Gibeah, there has been only sin and more sin. You have made no progress whatsoever. What is not right that the wicked men of Gibeah were attacked? Now, whenever it fits my plan, I will attack you too. I will call out the armies of the nations to punish you for your multiple sins. Israel is like a trained heifer treating, treading out the grain. An easy job she loves. But I will put a heavy yoke on her tender neck. I will force Judah to pull the plow and Israel to break up the hard ground. I said... Plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard grounds of your heart, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. But you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a thriving crop of sins. You have eaten the fruit of lies, trusting in your military might, believing that great armies could make your nation safe. Now the terrors of war will rise among your people. All your fortifications will fall, just as when Shalman destroyed Bet Arbel. Even mothers and children were dashed to death there. You will share that fate, Bethel, because of your great wickedness. When the day of judgment dawns, the king of Israel will be completely destroyed. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt. The more I called to him, the farther he moved from me. Offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and burning incense to idols. I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand, but he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love, 
I lifted the yoke from his neck, and I myself stooped to feed him. But since my people refuse to return to me, they will return to Egypt and will be forced to serve Assyria. War will swirl through their cities. Their enemies will crash through their gates. They will destroy them, trapping them in their own evil plans. For my people are determined to desert me. They call me the Most High, but they don't truly honor me. Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zebulim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel. For I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you, and I will not come to destroy. For someday the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion, and when I roar, my people will return trembling from the west. Like a flock of birds, they will come from Egypt. Trembling like doves, they will return from Assyria, and I will bring them home again, says the Lord. Israel surrounds me with lies and deceit, but Judah still obeys God. He is faithful to the Holy One. The people of Israel feed on the wind. They chase after the east wind all day long. They pile up lies and violence. They are making an alliance with Assyria while sending olive oil to buy support from Egypt. Now the Lord is bringing charges against Judah. He is about to punish Jacob for all his deceitful ways and pay him back for all he has done. Even in the womb, Jacob struggled with his brother when he became a man. He even fought with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angels and won. He wept and pleaded for a blessing from him. There at Bethel, he met God face to face, and God spoke to him. The Lord God of heaven's armies the Lord is his name. So now come back to your God, act with love and justice, and always depend on him. But no, the people are like crafty merchants, selling from dishonest scales. They love to cheat. Israel boasts, I am rich. I made a fortune all by myself. No one has caught me cheating. My record is spotless. But... I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt, and I will make you live in tents again, as you do each year at the Festival of Shelters. I sent my prophets to warn you with my many visions and parables, but the people of Gilead are worthless because of their idol worship, and in Gilgag too they sacrifice bulls, their altars are lined up like the heaps of stone along the edges of a plow field. <clears throat> Jacob fled to the land of Aram, and there he earned a wife by tending sheep. Then by a prophet, the Lord brought Jacob's descendants out of Egypt, and by that prophet, they were protected. But the people of Israel have bitterly provoked the Lord, so the Lord will now sentence them to death in payments for their sins. In payment for their sins. When the tribe of Ephraim spoke, the people shook with fear. For that tribe was important to Israel. But the people of Ephraim sinned by worshiping Baal. And thus sealed their destruction. Now they continue to sin by making silver idols. Images shaped skillfully with human hands. Sacrifice to these, they cry. And kiss the calf idols. Therefore... They will disappear like the morning mist, like dew in the morning sun, like shaft blown by the wind, like smoke from a chimney. I have been the Lord your God ever since I brought you out of Egypt. You must acknowledge no God but me, for there is no other Savior. I took care of you in the wilderness, in that dry and thirsty land. But when you had eaten and were satisfied, you became proud and forgot me. So now I will attack you like a lion, 
like a leper that lurks along the road, like a bear whose cubs have been taken away. I will tear out your heart. I will devour you like a hungry lioness and mangle you like a wild animal. You are about to be destroyed, O Israel. Yes, by me, your only helper. Now where is your king? Let him save you. Where are all the leaders of the land, the king and the officials you demanded of me? In my anger, I gave you kings, and in my fury, I took them away. Ephraim's guilt has been collected, and his sins have been stored up for punishment. Pain has come to the people like the pain of a childbirth, but they are like a child who resists being born. The moment of birth has arrived, but they stay in the womb. Should I ransom them from the grave? Should I redeem them from death? O death, bring on your terrors. O grave, bring on your plagues, for I will not take pity on them. Ephraim was the most fruitful of all his brothers, but the east wind, a blast from the Lord, will arise in the desert. All their flowing springs will run dry, and all their wells will disappear. Every precious thing they own will be plundered and carried away. The people of Samaria must bear the consequences of their guilt because they rebel against their God. They will be killed by an invading army, their little ones dashed to death against the ground, their pregnant women ripped open by words. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to the Lord. Say to him, Forgive all of our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. Assyria cannot save us, nor can our war horses. Never again will we say to the idols we have made, You are our gods. No, in you alone do the orphans find mercy. The Lord says, then I will heal you of your faithlessness. My love will know no bounds, for my anger will be gone forever. I will be to Israel like a refreshing dew from heaven. Israel will blossom like the lily. It will send roots deep down in the soil like the cedars in Lebanon. Its branches will spread out like beautiful olive trees, as fragrant as the cedars of Lebanon. My people will again live under my shade. They will flourish like grains and blossoms, like grapevines. They will be as fragrant as the wines of Lebanon. O Israel, stay away from idols. I am the one who answers your prayers and cares for you. I am like a tree that is always green. All your fruit comes from me. All your fruit comes from me. Let those who are wise understand these things. Let those with discernment listen carefully. The paths of the Lord are true and right, and righteous people live by walking in them. But in those paths sinners stumble and fall. You know, some of the scriptures that I enjoy reading out of here is, So now... The Lord says, come back to your God, act with love and justice, and always depend on him. Then he says, I will force Judah to pull the plow and Israel to break up the hard ground. I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Amen. But I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. I send my prophets to warn you with my many, many visions and parables. <clears throat> I have been the Lord your God ever since I brought you out of Egypt. You must acknowledge no God but me, for there is no other Savior. I took care of you in the wilderness, in that dry and thirsty land. But when you had eaten and were satisfied, 
You became proud and forgot me. So now I will attack you like a lion, like a leopard that looks, lurks along the road. Should I ransom them from the grave? Should I redeem them from death? O death, bring on your terrors. O grave, bring on your plagues, for I will not take pity on them. O Israel, stay away from idols. I am the one who answers your prayers and cares for you. I am like a tree that is always green. All of your fruit comes from me. Let those who are wise understand these things. Let those with discerning listen carefully. The paths of the Lord are true and right. The righteous people live by walking in them. But in those paths, sinners stumble and fall. The path of the Lord are true and right. And righteous people live by walking in them. But in those paths, sinners stumble and fall. Amen. The word of the Lord. The two principles that Hosea called his nation to live by, love and justice, are, are the very foundations of God's, God's character. They are essential to his followers, but they are not easy to balance. Some people practice love to the point that they excuse wrongdoing. Others practice justice to the extent that they forget love. Love without justice leaves people in their sins because it is not aiming at a higher standard. Justice without love drives people away from God because it has no heart. If we forget God's love, we'll be left believing that our sins leave us hopeless. But if we forget his justice against our sins, we make the mistake of thinking he will continue to accept us no matter how we act. Forgiveness is the key in Hosea 14, 1 and 2. When God forgives us, he judges the sin but shows mercy to the sinner. Again, when God forgives us, he judges, he judges the sin and gives us mercy. Today's church, just like Hosea's nation, must live out both love and justice. These two values are not in conflict. We maintain each of them by being a community of forgiveness. The church should practice both love and justice in the content of forgiveness. In this way, the world will be able to see Christ. The importance of the relationship with God. A healthy relationship with God requires intimate knowledge of His Bible. God desires that we have more than a mere acquaintance with the facts of His Word. In Hosea 4.6, we find that God wants His people to know Him personally. The priests of Israel were well acquainted with the laws of God, but they lived immorally because they didn't really know God. If we do not have a growing and intimate relationship with God, we will have great difficulty as we work through, the, through our sin process, our process of recovery for righteousness. The people of Israel started down the path of, to recover, but they soon turned back. God wondered what he would do with his wayward people. Why did they fall? Why did they fail? Perhaps the Israelites were never really committed to following God and his will for them. Perhaps they responded only with their emotions and were soon lured away by something that seemed more attractive. The depths of our commitment to God determine whether we recover or relapse. The more committed we are to God and the more we want recovery, the better our chances are of achieving it. But if we are just going through the motions, relapse is likely. You know, God tried to break the, through the people's blindness by announcing his desire to restore their broken relationship with him. Earlier, we saw that the people planted the wind and harvest the whirlwind. In other words, they sinned and harvested the chaotic and painful consequences. Here, they were asked to plant righteousness and reap unfailing love of God. The same offer is open to us. If we seek God and let him come into our lives, he will save us from our addictions and from eternal punishment. We see God's anguish with his people stray from him and seek false sources of security. 
Even though our dependencies may have almost completely destroyed us, we have not gotten what we deserve. God has compassion on us, his wayward people. What a wonderful God he is. He shows us mercy and provides a way to end our pain and restore our relationship with him. Recovery is possible only if we see God and let him fill empty places that our addictions can never fill. Amen. In Hosea chapter 10, we read about accountability. While in recovery, we learn to accept responsibility for our actions, even when we are powerless over our addictions, we come to realize that all of our actions yield consequences. Some of us may have deceived ourselves into thinking we can escape the consequences of the bad choices we have made. But with time, it becomes clear that God has made accountability a necessary element of healthy living. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from their sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. The law of planting and harvesting can also work to our benefit. God spoke through the prophet Hosea, Plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Hosea 10:12. God says, We always reap what we have sown, even after we have been forgiven. We must deal with the consequences of our actions. It may take time to finish harvesting the negative consequences of our past sins, but this need not discourage us. Making amends with those we have harmed is one step toward planting good seeds. In time, we will see good crops begin to grow. Amen. In time, we will see good crops begin to grow. When the addictions we have trusted fail us, we begin to experience the painful consequences. It may seem like a quick death would be better than trying to turn our lives around. A quick end to our pain may be the easier solution, but it is never the best or right way. There is always hope for a good life in the future. No matter how terrible things may seem, we can begin a recovery by giving our lives to a merciful God. He wants all of us to come to him, no matter how great our past sins. In these verses, God compares his love for Israel to a father's love to his son. He paints a poignant picture of Israel's complete dependence on God. God did everything right in raising his child, but Israel reveled against him and sought the favor of false gods who could not offer protection from the coming destruction. We can learn from Israel's catastrophe and accept the guidance of our Heavenly Father before our lives are destroyed by our addictions. And remember in Hosea 11, 8 to 11, says, We admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of wrongs. Step 5. We may be sorely aware of the deep shame, trouble, and pain we inflicted on our family when we were controlled by our addictions. We may be afraid to admit the exact nature of our wrongs because we don't understand how God could love someone who is so bad. Hosea was a prophet to the rebellious nation of Israel. God used Hosea's life to demonstrate his unconditional love for us and his people. The Lord told Hosea to marry a prostitute. Hosea married her, loved her, and devoted himself to her. But later his wife relapsed into her old ways, broke Hosea's heart, and brought shame on their family. She fell in slavery. God then baffled Hosea by telling him, Go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods. We may be asking, how could God or anyone still love me? But God says, oh, how can I give you up? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. For I am God, not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you. And I will not come to destroy. 
There is absolutely nothing we can do or confess to God that we can, would cause Him to stop loving us. Amen. Nothing we can do. The patriarch Jacob changed from a deceiver to one who sought God's blessings. In his struggles with God, he finally faced his own inadequacy and earnestly sought God's favor. Healing and growth will be found only through honest repentance and communion with God. God asks his people to love him by loving others. We are to seek the best interests of others in a manner consistent with God's revealed will. When we are tempted to take advantage of others for personal gain, we need to ask God to help us to be just and loving. It is only with God's help that we can treat others like he wants them to be treated. Israel's downfall came after he had forsaken God for false gods. Likewise, if we closely examine our lives, we will find that our problems began when we replaced God with our addictions. We cannot blame God for our situations because he lovingly cares about us and will never forsake us. We abandon him. We can begin the recovery process by admitting our sins and dependencies to God and asking him to take control of our lives. He will lovingly rescue us. There is no salvation except that offered by God. He offers salvation to all who will accept it. Anyone who refuses his offer and looks to another source for salvation is like a stubborn child. <coughs> he, a child who resists being born, not wanting the life being offered. Are we resisting God's offer? Have we gladly accepted the new life God has for each of us? These verses contain a paradigm for recovery. Hosea called the people to admit that they were helpless apart from God. To examine themselves. To realize that they were responsible for their condition. To be willing to let God change them. To renounce any further dealings with gods of their own making and to commit their lives to God alone. We can follow the same process in our own recovery, renouncing our own false gods, our sinful thoughts and addictive behaviors, and committing our lives to God and His will. God's people would flourish and experience unprecedented spiritual growth if they would commit their lives to Him, if they would allow God to heal them they would find that he is their source of nourishment and growth, like refreshing dew from heaven. They would become blossoming plants that would send out roots to start new shoots. We can have a similar hope today. The problems caused by our dependencies can be resolved as we repent and accept God's mercy. Through him, we can too flourish. Through the Lord... We are flourishing. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Part 2 of 365 Daily Reading for December the 8th. The Book of Jude. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for giving us instruction, moderation, ability to understand, and your love and your enthusiasm for this day, Lord. May we be happy today, Lord. May we be restored today. Thank you for healing all our diseases. Thank you for providing all our needs. Thank you for providing fellowship and love. Thank you for inventing laughter and joy. We are doing the deal, Lord, and we are an expectant. We look to you. Our confidence is in you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for your love, and we, we receive it. We say yes, Lord, and we always want more love because we are addicts. You know, we can, more is always better, Lord, so we ask you for more love today, today. We concentrate confidence in you that your love will be overflowing. Lord, 
Your love is not here yet, but it will come. If we should have it, it will surely come. Amen. It is written in your word, and we're going to ask for the order just for today. Just for today, we will ask for the order of your love, for the joy and the confidence that it brings, and the enthusiasm, and the payload that you'll open the windows of heaven and pour out on us, Lord. More than we can possibly handle, that we will be jumping around like a fish out of water, Lord. Just incredible. Thank you. Amen. And now for the reading of the book of Jude. Again, we're going to go ahead and read the commentaries before we get into the, uh, the small one-chapter book. It's actually 25 verses. So I'm going to try to make it simple. I'm going to go ahead and read a a small commentary, and then I'll read the book of Jude. Um, And then I'll read the Psalms and the Proverbs for December the 8th. But if you'd like to stay for more of the book of Jude on the Recovery Bible, I'm going to go ahead and read after the Proverbs uh, a lot of uh, commentaries on it, which... Will blow your will blow us out of the water. Huh. Will bless us. The heavens will open. Amen. Here we go. Commentary. Jews' letter focused on apostasy. When people turn away from God's truth and embrace false teachings, he warns against false teachers who were probably agnostic. They claim post to possess secret knowledge that gave them authority, their hidden knowledge of God was esoteric, mystical, and beyond human understanding. Using their secret knowledge, they opposed two of the basic tenets of Christianity, that Christ had a human body and that Christians' faith required right living. They were weakened, the believers, Jude, They were weakened. The believers, Jude, wrote to combat these false teachings and strengthen the church. After warnings of people with clear examples from Israel's history, Jude outlined some important ways to help the church grow stronger. First, remember that the apostle said. Second, build up other believers. Third, pray. Finally, rely on Jesus' mercy. Amen. Whenever you experience uncertainty in your faith, it's helpful to spend time reading Scripture, but it's also helpful to spend time with other believers. Encourage them and being encouraged. They can help you remember what's more important and refocus you. These are the ancestors to your faith. It is easy to get distracted and disoriented with secret doubts and historic questions. When that happens, sustain yourself with Bible prayer, other believers, and the hope for God's mercy. Amen. You know, in this commentary, the thing that jumped out on me is rely on Jesus' mercy. And one of the biggest problems we have as human beings is our imagination. Where where do we address, where do we put our imagination in? And... I went to Korea, picked up a book over there called The Fourth Dimension from a successful pastor, Young Hee David Cho. And he built a church, almost a million members. And he said that uh, to put our, he needed an address to put his confidence in, his faith to drop an address. Where, where does God live? We need an address. And in my standpoint, you know, he's got a whole chapter on that. I highly recommend the book. It's called The Fourth Dimension by Dr. David Cho, C-H-O. But in my experience is the only how we finally rely on Jesus' mercy is just by the miracle of reading his words, reading his words and and extracting out of his words his mercy. And that's where our imagination, you know, I can be running down the road working, 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 and not reading for that day. And I can pray and pray, but if I have enough in my 
in my reading, then the words, I can inspire myself. But it's easier for me to spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes, reading his word and get activated with the mercies of, of Jesus. Where I'm forgiven, I'm restored, I'm good to go, I'm energized. All power and strength comes from the Lord. That's the beauty of reading the scriptures. And then we can expect a miracle when we read. Amen. Okay, now reading the book of Jude, chapter 1 through 25 says, This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called by God, the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for, for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay with the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belong. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning to the eternal fires of God's judgment. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. But these people scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instinct tells them, and so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money, and like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. When these people eat with you, in your fellowship meals commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving the, any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are boldly dead, for they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. They are like the wild waves of the sea, churning up the foam of their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars, doomed forever to blackest darkness. Enoch, was, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, Listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers, living only to satisfy their deeds. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ said. They told you that in the last times they would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. 
These people are the ones who are creating division among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, and wait, await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Who will bring you eternal life. This is the way you will keep yourself safe in God's love in this way. And you must show mercy to those whose fate is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great cautions, hating the sin that contaminate their lives. Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God. Our Savior through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. All glory, majesty, and power and authority are his before all time and in the presence and beyond. Amen and amen. Psalms 127, unless the Lord builds a house, the works of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it, it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early in the morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat to God rest in the tabernacle. Anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are rewarded from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers in the city gates. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen. To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a moral, but a mother, excuse me, is disgraced by an undisciplined child. When the wicked are in authority, sin flourishes, but the godly will live to see their downfall. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Discipline your children, folks. Don't put it aside. Write it down. And they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Amen. And if if you didn't discipline your kids and you don't have peace of mind or your heart is fearful for their for their lives that they're out in the uh, running amok, just start praising Jesus that they're running amok. Praising Jesus that they don't call you. Start thanking the Lord with a banjo. And use your faith that God will strengthen you and heal them at the same time and restore them to useful usages. I'm speaking from experience. I just had a son visit me. He's conducting his business. He said, hi, left me some, brought me some stuff, left me some money. And it's just... You know, a good son. He gives me peace of mind. I don't have to worry about him driving night. I, I don't have worries over his life. And I'm sorry for the ones that do worry about their children. But listen to me. Try it. You'll like it. Get the banjo out, the flute, the guitar. If you played an instrument, start praising Jesus for your son's life. God is God. There is no other. If God is God, use him. He says, use me. Command me. Come on now. Give him a chance. Do it for 30 days, 90 days. Just make a letter and say, I, God, here I give you my son. I hereby declare this uh, covenant and sign it with your signature 
and date it and address it to God and put the son's name, daughter's name, and seal it. And then carry that envelope with you as you continue to make your commitment. Every time you see you live, I thank you for their lives just the way they are, Jesus. I thank you for their lives. Get the fear out of your heart. You're causing more damage being fearful and worry and sending them those signals. The other way you're going to send signals of love, peace, satisfaction, believing that they're fine. You got to believe first that the kids are fine before they will change. And that's on your part. That's where you're grown up enough to understand that you need new information to change. And are stuck in your old baby ways. Because we didn't get that kind of teaching. Let's break out folks. Let's be warriors. And doers. Carry this message of love and hope. Expect a miracle. And now. Amen. Now I'm going to go for the reading of the old. Of Jude. Going back to Jude. We're going to go over some of the. uh, Exact things of Jude, get a little more in-depth into the book of Jude, Jude, oh Jude, problems don't usually attack us head on, they often come when we least expect them, sometimes we're completely unaware of the dangers that certain people, ideas, or activities pose to us, June, Jude, warns his readers about people who will try to lead them away from true faith in Jesus Christ by claiming that God's grace set them free to do whatever they want. Our society often proclaims a similar message. Boundaries to behavior are considered limiting and destructive. Most of us have discovered firsthand, however, that this teaching leads to painful bondage. We should take Jews' warnings seriously. We should avoid people and activities that could lead us back into slavery. Addiction. The only road to freedom is God's program for healthy living. Jude reminded his readers that the false teachers among them would suffer terrible consequences for their selfish and sinful lifestyles. We may be tempted to follow our old friends back into the pleasures of sinful habits. Jews' warnings can help us turn away from any such temptation. If we take part in destructive activities, we will be enslaved and then destroyed. If we plant seeds of righteousness by following God's will, we will receive God's blessings and help. True freedom can be found only through a vibrant relationship with God. God's word is reliable and true. It warns us before people who might try to hinder our spiritual growth. When we learn to expect such people, we can prepare to stand firm against the temptations that bring us by learning to recognize our weaknesses, walking humbly, and depending on the Holy Spirit guidance. We can shun the things that tears us down when we encourage others in recovery The story we tell must be clear and consistent with our lifestyle. We can share God's message of hope by showing others the kind of selfless love that God has already shown to us. We cannot live this way under our own power. We can do it only by receiving the power God offers through His Holy Spirit. In the same way, these people who claim... Oh, excuse me. (laughs) I mean... As we grapple with our addictions and problems, we are likely to avoid honest communication with others about our problems, situations. It is important, however, that we return to the relationship that will help us face the truth. Paul, in his writings, spoke about the value of honesty. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. Ephesians 4.25 Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, reminded his readers that they were to deal honestly and directly with those who were doing wrong. Show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Show mercy to still others, but to do so with great caution. 
hating the sin that contaminate their lives. Amen. Jesus even gave specific instructions for dealing with people who have done wrong, but persist in denying it. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out that offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again for that so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses and the person still refuses to lose you, refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church decision, treat the person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. <laughs> That's a little deep, folks. In other words, oh well, okay. Uh, accountability... I like to read that in the Message Bible or the um, Passion Translation. That was Matthew 18, 15 to 17. So we'll do that. I just have to go find my those readings. Accountability and honesty in our relationship are essential to successful recovery. When we make ourselves accountable to others, the caring influence of godly friends can keep us on the right track. They can provide us with an object prosperity. Excuse me, object perspective. Helping us to admit results of our shame or fear that we will be rejected if we ever reveal who we really are. Admitting our wrongs to trustworthy people help break down the isolation. Amen. So I'd like to ask you if you to be your temporary sponsor. I'd like to ask you to be your sponsor. I'd like to ask you for you to write down your fourth and fifth step of all your hates, hurts, and, and nonsense. And then read it to me. Read it to my voice. The Holy Spirit is there. Holy Spirit is listening. You know, that's just the beginning of one process. Later on, you can say it to somebody open face-to-face. But right now... It should stay on the paper when you read it to me. It should stay on there. And you just act and move by faith. And I'm there in spirit, in the spirit of God and in truth. Amen. I don't know why I said that, but from experience, it works. Once you write it down, you're there with God. You're writing down all the incidents and situations that happen, admitting your part. And then... You read it to me, to, to my voice. And then you do that many times throughout your lifetime. Whenever you get bogged down with situations, you get a stranger, if you want, and tell them all your stories. Tell them all your nonsense and ugliest stuff. They'll never see you again, but you've done one righteous act. You got rid of it. And the way God prescribes it on his word, it was nothing healing for our souls. Amen. God bless you. Keep thanking heaven. And let's go ahead and uh, close with the uh, Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back.